Just about five seconds and thought that was good. I had somebody tell me yesterday, they said, uh, I was, I can't remember where I was, but the person said, um, you're the pastor of the temple. I'm like, um, if you mean Rinkin Baptist Temple, yes. Some other temple, no. Um, around town, I guess we've been around for so long that uh, people know us as the temple. Uh, I, I, that's, I guess I'd probably rather be known as something else, but that's all right. The temple is fine. And I said, yes, ma'am, I am, and got a chance to talk to her a little bit about inviting her to, uh, inviting her to church. But uh, you never know what I'm telling you. It's, it's a reminder every time. You never know. And I, have, I have no idea who the person was, but you never know who knows who you are. And um, so don't act like a fool because somebody probably knows who you are or what church you go to. And um, I say all the time, you know, you get, those, you get those bumper stickers that say, follow me too, and they name the church. And, you know, some of us would have to scratch, you know, the name of the church off and uh, not follow us because we don't do so good in the car, um, testimony-wise. But um, anyways, thank you, ladies, for that. Great, great song. Appreciate that. Listen, it's time. Some of y'all need to get back in the rotation of singing and getting up here and singing, and you know who you are, and uh, don't make me come to you, and because um, I will, and uh, you need to get back into singing, and it's such a blessing. Isn't it a blessing to be able to uh, be blessed by music and uh, good music, and so I'm certainly thankful for that. I know you are too. First John chapter 4 this morning, First John chapter 4, I want to talk about the essentials uh, the essential elements of love, the essential elements of love. We kind of talked a little bit about it two weeks ago, and then, of course, we had Easter and uh, spoke about uh, uh, the importance of uh, the resurrection. And uh, so this week and next, I want to uh, kind of finish off our thoughts uh, about the essentials of love. And um, now, w- let me premise everything I'm about to say uh, with... Uh, uh, with this statement, uh, I'm not talking about the world's love, I'm talking about God's love, okay? So when we're going to be uh, talking about um, the essential elements of love, I'm talking about uh, what we find in the Word of God. You see, there's a lot of examples uh, in the world, there's a lot of examples throughout history of different things, but the final The final law, the final rule of practice for the Christian isn't necessarily examples throughout history. It's the Word of God. So what does the Word of God say? That should be something that every born-again child of God says about any decision they need to make or uh, 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 direction that they need to go in their life uh, or about a subject that they're thinking about. What does the Word of God say? Say And so when somebody asks me a question, and they ask me a question about a certain subject, uh, my answer is going to be a biblical answer. I'm going to go to the Word of God. I have an opinion. <clears throat> so don't you. I have a nose, and so don't you. And so and some of you have been waiting a long time to look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad I don't look like you. And you were able to say that uh, real smoothly. But uh, we, all, you know, we all have opinions, right? And my opinion, if it's an opinion, 
is no better than yours and yours is no better than mine. Isn't it funny? Those are the things that we argue about the most. We argue about opinion, uh, about uh, what we think about a subject uh, instead of what the Word of God says about a subject. Listen, what the Word of God says about the subject is definitive. That's it. It's truth. It's fact. What God says goes. So your opinion or what you think about a subject never trumps what God says about a subject. That's why I have a very hard time with uh, uh, the, the progression our world is going in when it comes to just crazy things that are contrary to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God doesn't change. And see, this idea that we need to be keeping up with the world, in some aspects, are probably true. There are some things that probably wouldn't be a bad idea to change, right? I guess people still wear bell-bottoms, but, you know, bell-bottoms are kind of out of style, right? I always say this about clothing, keep it. As long as you can fit into it, it'll probably come back around again, right? And uh, hairstyles change, and clothes change, and lots of things change as you as you uh, as you go through time. But when it comes to the Word of God, it doesn't change. It is the same. So what God said a hundred years ago is still the same. That's that's not altered at all. That's not changed at all. Just because the world has changed doesn't mean that we have to change with the world. One of the issues that we have when it comes to the church is the fact that we have changed with the world. And now the churches, often many of the churches and many denominations, are looking more and more like the world. Things that we once stood against, we don't stand up against anymore. And the reason we don't stand up against them anymore has nothing to do with the Bible. It has everything to do with the fact that, well, times have changed, so we've got to keep up with the times. We've got to keep up with the changes. You see, we once used to believe that salvation was by faith plus nothing minus nothing. We used to believe that If you were going to be saved and you are going to spend eternity in heaven, then you had to place your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Period. Well, most of us, I think, here in this room anyway, still believe that. But I can tell you, there's a lot of people that believe that, but they also believe. You see, sometimes it's not a matter of... Uh, eradicating your belief, it's adding to your belief. And we begin to add to our beliefs, we come up with this organism, this this organization of nonsense, really is what it becomes. Because something that is true, let's let's put it this way, one plus one, right? I'm, I'm really good in math. One plus one equals two. One plus one, I don't care what county you go to, what state you go to, what country you go to, 
One plus one is always going to equal two. That's not going to change. You don't go to a, to a different school. And you, you're, you, know, you went to Effingham County Schools and then you left Effingham County and you went to Bullock County and one plus one doesn't equal two in be in Bullock County. Everybody says, well, that's nonsense. Well, of course it's nonsense. Because one plus one equals two. I'm not talking about imaginary numbers and all that nonsense. I'm talking about one plus one, a basic arithmetic equals two. That doesn't change. But let me tell you something. The same is true with the Bible. If God says it's a fact, it's a fact. And it shouldn't matter what church you're in or what denomination you're in. But it does. And so often anymore, you better be careful where you attend church. You better be careful. And, and it used to be, you realize, when you went on vacation, you could pick any Baptist church and just go, just go to that church and you'll be okay. Now, how many times, I'm going to tell you, I like to go to different churches when I'm out of town. And it's not because I like to sit in the congregation and go, man, I can't wait till he messes up so I can get a few illustrations. I like to go because I like to see their bulletins. I like to see how they interact with people. I like, I like to get ideas for, for, our, for our church. And so I like to go to different churches. But I'm telling you, that's becoming dangerous. And so much heresy is being preached from pulpits anymore. But here's the problem. It's add-on heresy. So we're being a little bit deceitful. We say we believe this, but... Have you listened lately to some of these, I call them big-wig preachers? Now, I'm not talking about the, the, I'm not talking about the obvious heretics. I'm not... I'm not talking about those people. Those, those people are easy to pick. I'm talking about some of these people that have written lots of books and lots of people follow. And they get up and, and they sound just like what we believe. And then when they're asked a specific question, there's a, a little bit of an add-on. Just, just a little tweak here or a little tweak there. And you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, did I? And then it goes goes away for a little while, and then they add a little bit more, and then they... Let me tell you the devil. He's real. And he's really good at what he does. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. He's a cheater. There's no fighting fair with the devil. Because the devil will do everything he can, he'll do anything he can, and he'll use whomever he can to mess you up. To mess up this church. You know, years and years and years ago, this church established a constitution and bylaws. Now, there are some things in the constitution and bylaws like lawful things and identification and all those kind of things, but one of the main things about a constitution and bylaws is what we believe. Through the years, I believe 2009 or somewhere around there, was the last time that our Constitution and bylaws were ratified. They were changed. But I want you to know something. Through those years and any of the changes that were made, what this church believes according to the Word of God has not changed. Salvation. Who Jesus is. The Trinity. The virgin birth. All these things that you find in our Constitution and bylaws 
are there not because we met together and thought these were really good things, but, but this is what thus saith the Lord. And what thus saith the Lord ought to matter to God's people. It ought to matter to God's church. And what we believe as a church at the temple, if you want to call us that, is what we find in the Word of God. And that's the same is true with love, with the subject of love. Everybody wants to talk about love. But they want to talk about the love that sits around a campfire and holds hands and sings kumbaya. That's the kind of love they want to talk about. They want to talk about some kind of worldly love or some kind of failing and falling love. But I want to talk about the essential elements of biblical love. What does the Bible say about love? Let me give you a couple things. First of all, I want to talk about the origin of love. The origin of love. Look with me in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. So when we get this idea of love and we begin to dissect the subject of love, we need to understand this first and foremost, that the origin of love comes from God. Do you understand, preacher? I love God. Let me tell you something about your love for God. The only reason, biblically, this is a biblical truth, the only reason you love God is because He first loved you. That's Scripture. So the origin doesn't start with you. The origin starts with God. You see, let me tell you what our origin is. We don't like to hear this. And by the way, we don't hear this much anymore. But what our origin is, is sin. That's what our origin is. You see, way back in the beginning, right, God created man. Out of the dust of the ground, He formed man. He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And then out of man, He made woman. And then man and woman fell. And since that day, and I'm pretty sure everybody sitting in here has been since that day, the Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So every one of us have failed. Every one of us are sinners. You're born that way. It's your nature. You see, by nature, if we would grasp this, if we could really get a hold of this, if you're a good person today, it's because Jesus Christ lives inside of you. If you do what's right morally today, it's because God has helped you to do that. Why? Because by nature, we're sinful. By nature, our origin, we want to lust. We want to, we want to be envious. We want to be jealous. Why do, you think, why do you think relationships are so easily broken in our world today? Over 50% of every marriage ends in divorce. That's staggering. Over 50%. By the way, there used to be a separation between the world and the church. There no longer is. 
over 50% of people that go to church that get married and in divorce. It happens. It happens. And it happens quite often. But it only just happens in, in marriage relationships. It happens in relationships, period. One person gets mad at another person. A person that used to love this person or thought that they loved this person in this relationship, and by golly, they didn't give me my pan back. They're going on my list. And you might not have an actual list. I hope you don't actually have a written list. But a lot of us have a list in the filing cabinet in our brain. Somebody has slighted us. Somebody has talked bad about us. Somebody has done something terrible to us. And their name goes in the filing cabinet in our brain. It happens. We build relationships. I mean, I've done it. You've done it. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's relationships that you have with friends. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, relationships are so easily broken. And they're so easily broken because we are selfish people. You're welcome. It's a fact. By nature, we think about ourselves. What's in it for me? How can I get whatever out of this relationship? Am I saying every relationship's like that? No, I'm saying by nature. That's who we are. So love doesn't originate with man. Love originates with God. The origin of God's love. Look with me in verse number 19. We love Him. Just a few minutes ago I talked about it. We love Him because He first loved us. How are... How are, how are men, how are people outside the church, outside the faith, going to tell that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ? By our love one towards another, right? Now what John says, if we're going to show people that we are disciples of God, and we're going to show people uh, that uh, we love God, then we show that by our love for each other. Not our jealousy towards each other, not our hatred towards each other, not our meanness towards each other. My goodness, let me tell you something. Here's the bottom line. Some people just need to grow up. I'm just telling you. I mean, we act like toddlers sometimes. Now, you understand two toddlers, right? They're three years old. I mean... Take two three-year-olds and put one toy in the middle. That's not always going to happen, but by nature, man, I'm telling you, one kid wants the other toy, and he'll clock the other kid to get the toy. You've seen it? I'm Probably most of you have seen it. And what you got to do, you got to correct your kid. If you don't correct your kid, guess what? It becomes a holy terror. Guess what we have? A bunch of undisciplined, grown people acting like toddlers. That's what happens. But God doesn't want us to act like that. God wants us to be His disciples. God wants us to be His children. God wants us to act right. And how do we act right? We love one another. We make a difference in each other's lives. We don't hold grudges. 
How often I do marital counseling, and I tell you, let me tell you what we always want to do. We want to reach as far back as our arm will take us and grab all the garbage and bring it all forward. You don't understand what he did. And I say that, and every time I say, I know he's a dirty dog. You don't understand what she did. I mean, you don't understand what she said. You don't understand. I always always get this. You don't understand. Oh, listen, I understand. I understand because we're selfish. I understand because we have a, a mechanism in our brains that we can forgive, but it's hard to forget. Or we can say we forgive. But it's hard to forget. And so often things come back to our brains. Why? Because because we want two things. Our nature. We want two things. Our hearts. You see, this following your heart is the stupidest thing you can ever do. Because your heart's above all things desperately wicked. Your heart's wicked. Don't follow our heart. Follow God. But let me tell you what our heart wants by nature. It wants, it wants two things. It wants revenge. If I can, if I could just get, I'm, if I could just get back at him. I'm going to, and it's going around in our brains. And hopefully you put it to the back of your brain and it doesn't happen. But sometimes, well, it just keeps going and going and going. Let me tell you the other thing we want to be. We want to be right. By, by nature, and I think men got an extra chromosome or something, but by nature, we don't like to be wrong. I mean, we don't like to be wrong, and we certainly don't like to be proven wrong. So when we're proven wrong, what is our reaction? It's humility, and we thank the person for pointing it out to us. Not usually. You know what we usually do? Lash out. Yeah, well, I was wrong on this, but let me tell you the list of things you've been wrong on. And you've been wrong more times than I've been wrong. See, here's the list. And what happens to the relationship? Punk. It's gone. Because we're following a, 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 a worldview of love instead of a biblical view of love. So look at, let's look at we, so we know he starts with God. So we see the, the origin. Let's look at the outpouring of God's love. Let's look at the outpouring of God's love. Look in verse number 9 of our text. The scripture says, And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. You see, we're able to love others because God has loved us. The outpouring of God's love in our lives. You see, we want, but we don't want to give. And we want God's forgiveness. We, we want God's patience. We want God's love. We want that to be showered down upon us in our lives. But then we want to withhold forgiveness from somebody. We want to, we want to withhold love from somebody. We want to receive it, but we're we're more reluctant to give it. So as the outpouring of God's love is poured down uh, on us on our lives, we can see examples of how we should love one another. The outpouring of God's love. God's love for us 
Let me give you a couple things. Number one, it's unending. It's unending. Aren't you glad God's not up in heaven taking tally marks? He's, man, he said, what? Check. She did what? Check, check. Aren't you glad God's not up in heaven going, all right, as soon as I get to however many checks, done. I'm going to stop loving her. I'm going to stop loving him. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. Great verse. It talks about the, the love that God loves us with is an everlasting love. Get this. God loves you in spite of your actions. In spite of... Here, here's, a, here's a good theological word. Ready? In spite of your stupidity. You ever make dumb decisions? Anybody ever make a dumb decision before? A couple of us. The rest of you, man, you're just so perfect. But some of us have made some really dumb decisions before. And regretted it. Because you know why? Because there's consequences. We understand that, right? But aren't you glad God doesn't cut you off? Amen. That God doesn't say, you know what? That was just dumb. And you're finished. No, God loves us with an everlasting love. It's a love that continues on and on and on into the future. It's an unending love. Number two, it's an unconditional love. Romans 5.8, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died because we were sinners. And we have no hope without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. No hope whatsoever. So God didn't sit up in heaven and say, okay, listen, when they clean up their act, then I'll make my move. As soon as they stop X, Y, Z, then I'll, then I'll make my move. No, God made His move because of our sinfulness. It's unconditional. Do we love others like God loves us? Isn't that commanded of us? We shouldn't love others like Peter loved others or like John loved others. We shouldn't love others like the, our favorite character or our favorite person loves others. We ought to love others like God love, loves others. I think of the prodigal son. Don't you love that story? So the prodigal son, you know the story, him and his brother. And he, he goes to his father and he says to his father, I, I want my inheritance. By the way, this, in this time frame, basically what this young man was telling his father is, I wish you would die because I want your money. Literally, that's what he meant. The father gave him his inheritance and he went to a far country. He wasted all that he had on riotous living. Left to yourself, that's how you live riotously. He goes and he ends up, he ends up living in the pigsty, living in the pig pen, eating the same scraps that the pigs are eating. Sin will always bring you farther than you want to go. Always. 
So he comes to himself. I love that part in that story. The, the young man comes to himself. And he realizes, you know what? I don't deserve to be a son. I don't deserve to go back and be my father's son. But man, my father's servants are better off than I am. I'll just go back and be a servant. There are two parts of this story that are my favorite. My first favorite is that he came to himself. My second favorite is that he comes home. And as he's on his way home, his father sees him coming from a long ways off and goes and meets him. Now we read over that really, really fast. But there's some significance behind that. The father had no idea where the son had gone. This wasn't a day of cell phones. This wasn't a day of, you know, you, 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 you called a few people up and found out where somebody was. He was gone. The father had no idea where he was. He had no idea if or when he would come back. So what does that tell you about the father? That tells me about the father that he continuously was looking for his son to come home. Let me tell you, the prodigal is a picture of you. It's a picture of me. The Father is a picture of our Heavenly Father. So you know what the Father wants? If you've gone away, if you've gone astray, if you're living riotously, if you're living away from the Lord, you know what He wants? He wants you to come home. Amen. And He doesn't want you to come home to be a servant. He wants you to come home to be a son. And the father brings it, and he, and he gets the robe, and, and he gets the ring, and he, and he goes and has the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the feast to, to be prepared, and all these things ready, because my son that was lost is now found. He's come home. You know who the other brother pictures? Who said that? Who said the church? It's the church. It's exactly who it pictures. Grumbling, complaining. I've been here the whole time. I didn't leave you. I, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the problem is. It always is. It's a heart problem. Whether you go far off or you stay, whether you're living riotously or you're, or you're putting on a facade, let me tell you something. God doesn't look on the outward. God looks on the inward. God looks on the heart. Let me tell you. The brother had a heart problem just as much as the other brother had a heart problem. I'm here to tell you, we ought to be rejoicing when somebody that was lost is now found. When someone that has gone astray has now come back to the fold. We ought to be rejoicing. The Scripture says to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's talking about the church. Do you know why the church, you know why church people don't restore other people? You want to know why that is? Galatians tells us. Galatians says if you're going to restore, then you must be spiritual. Because only spiritual people restore people that have gone astray. So why doesn't the church restore people? Well, there can only be one reason. We're not acting spiritual. And we're not acting out of the love of God. God's love makes all the difference. Our love's judgmental. Our love's conditional. What can you do for me? In our day of contracts, you ever, 
Have you bought a car or a house lately? Let me tell you something. You get a writer's cramp having to sign your name so many times. It's absolutely unbelievable. But no salesperson, the next time you go to buy a car, maybe you're, in, maybe you're in the market to buy a car, go down to the car dealership and tell the car dealer, tell the guy, listen, you want a, you want a brand new whatever, whatever's your flavor of vehicle. I want a brand new 2021 whatever. And, and he says, okay, I, I've got this car. I want this car. This is the car I want. He says, okay. He said, listen, give me the keys. Let's shake hands on it. I'm going to go home to get the check, and I'll bring it back to you. Yeah. See if you get off the... If you get off, that's because you stole the car and you're fixed to go to prison. Because they're not going to let you have the car. I remember when we bought Kyle's truck, the guy said, just, just take it home and drive it for a couple days. It's like, Seriously? He said, yeah. And then he brought me in and had me sign 462 pages of papers just to borrow the vehicle for a little, for a little bit. Well, why? Because people don't trust people by nature. And you know why that is? Because people don't earn people's trusts like they used to. You used to be able to shake somebody's hand, and that was a contract, folks. Those days are gone. They're gone. Why? Because by nature, we've gotten worse and worse and worse. But, that, but God's people shouldn't be following that path. God's people should be following a different path. God's people should be following a biblical path. And the outpouring of God's love in our lives, that unending love, that unconditional love, that unbelievable love. Well, can you, can, can you wrap your brain around it? Because I can't. If you think for one second that you deserve God's love, you've got a heart problem. Because we don't deserve God's love. But he loved us anyways. Does that amaze you? That's absolutely amazing to me. That's absolutely unbelievable to me. I'm that kind of guy that likes to wrap, wrap my brain around things. I like to understand something. I'm not saying I understand everything, but I just... I like. If I'm doing something, I want to understand it before I do it. Used to be. I, I didn't care. Used to be, we'd, we'd go to the river. We'd, we'd jump, jump off the roof of, of covered bridges and never even check how deep the water was. Man, we'd bungee jump, I, 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 you know, rock climb, all these. I mean, we used to cliff dive. I mean, all these things I did as a kid. Never thought one second bet something bad could happen. Now, maybe it's my age. I hope, I'm thinking us because I'm a little bit smarter. But now, I go to the, if, I, if I go to the fair, which is not very often, there's no way I'm riding one of those rides. Are you kidding me? Have you seen who puts those rides together? Takes them apart and then they take them to the next place. And it, oh, no, thank you. Why? Because something could go loose and I could go fly into the air somewhere. I could be dead. I'm not going to do, I want to know how this works. How is this going to stay together if I won't get on it? That's the way, that's why I think now. But I'm telling you something, we have got to get to the point in our lives when it comes to God, you're not going to have everything figured out. Just not. There's some things that we have finite minds. God's infinite. We can't, we can't figure it all out. So what do we do? We trust Him. We have faith in Him. 
We believe Him. And when we don't, let me tell you something, it doesn't hurt God, it hurts you. When you fail to trust God, when you fail to, to, to place your faith in God, it doesn't hurt God, it hurts us. And I want you to know something this morning more than anything else. God loves you. Amen. Other people may have given up on you. Relationships may have been broken. But I want you to know that God loves you. Oh, Andrew Stringer used to sing this song, God loves me like I was his only child. Like I was the only one. I've heard it said and I appreciate it myself. If, if, if I was the only one, Jesus still would have died. That's how much he loves you. And so what do we do with that love? Well, first of all, we accept it. If you're not saved and don't know Christ as your Savior, then you need to accept that love and realize that Jesus Christ died for your sins because you can't pay for them yourself. You're separated from God. And the only way to, to get reunited or reconciled to God is to have a reconciler. Who is that reconciler? That's Jesus Christ. You see, there's one meter between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. And so if you're not saved, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because He loves you. And if you are saved, then that love that you've received, you ought to be sharing that same love with other people. You know why? Because when people see you, they see a dirty, rotten sinner. But when they see Jesus in you, they see the Heavenly Father. See, there's nothing good in us. That, that, that is in me. The scripture says, that is in me, dwelleth no good thing. I know it's a hurdle. It's a hurdle to get over because we've been taught for so many years that we're just good people by nature. That we're loving people by nature. That we prefer others by nature. But by nature, those things are untrue. Either those things are untrue or the Bible's untrue. We have to pick. Because the Bible says by nature we are not those things. We can be those things with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We can be those things with the outpouring of God's love in our lives so that we might take that outpouring. You ever think about the life of David? Don't you love David? I mean, Old Testament king. He was the king... Before the kingdom was divided, he was the king, king over the United Kingdom. I mean, he was a man's man. He was chosen by God through Samuel to be that king, anointed to be king. Fought lions and bears. He downed a giant that everybody else was afraid of. But David had problems. David had issues. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He, he, he just committed absolute chaos in his family. All these things that we look at David, and yet the Bible still says that David was a man after God's own heart. Isn't that an amazing thing to you? It's an amazing thing to me. I don't have it all figured out. I'm just saying it's amazing. Because I want you to know, God doesn't look at you like others look at you. 
I don't know how many times I've sat in my office and, and looked face to face with a young person or, or someone that has made a terrible mistake. And I've, I made this statement. You are not defined by the mistakes you make. You're not defined by the mistakes you make. We make mistakes. We do it and we all do it. Some are more known than others, but we all make them. That's not what we're defined by. Let me tell you what you're defined by. As a Christian, you're defined by not what you do, but who you are. Who you are in Jesus Christ. That's what you're defined by. And that thief on the cross, as he told Jesus, remember me when thou thou goest into thy kingdom. Let me tell you what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to heal you from the cross. You get down, you live a good, clean life, and then I'll remember you. No, that man died. What did he die? He died a thief. He died a criminal. Matter of fact, he told the other malefactor, he told the other criminal, he said, listen, we deserve to be here. He doesn't deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. He'd ruined whatever, however old he was, up to that age, ruined his life. And Jesus made this wonderful statement. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Wow. The forgiveness of God. Have you experienced it? It's the greatest love that we can, that we can, that we can feel, that we can have. Is the forgiveness that God forgives us with in Difficult times in times of disorder, in times of sinfulness. I didn't say God excuses us. That's a whole other sermon. I'm saying God forgives us. Are there consequences? If we did an interview here with David, I guarantee you David would tell you some of the consequences that he had because of his sin. I'm not saying there's not consequences. I'm just telling you the love of God gives us forgiveness. And 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from A-L-L. All unrighteousness. Not some of it, not most of it. Not 99.9% of it, but all unrighteousness. And boy, if that's not love... And today, God still saves old sinners. And God still has relationship with his people. And he's outpouring this grace and this mercy and this long-suffering in our lives. What in the world are you doing with it? i tell you what most of us are doing with it. We're hogging it. I, I love sometimes... People in our church will bring us stuff. Somebody will bring me a big old thing of blueberries. I don't take them home. Just to be honest with you, I put them in the refrigerator here at church so I can eat them all for myself. People will bring us stuff, and sometimes they'll share it, but oh, let me tell you something, sometimes I don't. If I could eat it, I'd never share Miss Sherry's bread. Miss Sherry bring us bread, I'd never share it. But I can only, I can only sneak it every once in a while. So I bring that home and share it. But I'll tell you, we hog God's love. We hog God's grace. We hog God's blessings in our lives. What should we be doing? We should be sharing it with others. Because it will, I promise, it will make a difference. 
not only in other people's lives, it'll make a difference in your life. You know what people want to be? And this true? People want to be happy. No people by nature, they want, I mean, we want to be happy. Here's our problem. We think happiness is found in things. We think happiness is found in places. Happiness is a heart problem. Our unhappiness is a heart problem. You want to be happy? Follow the Word of God. You want to be happy? Do what God says do. And I found this to be true. When I serve people, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not saying I don't have a bad day. I'm not saying I don't have difficult times. I'm just telling you, when I serve God, when I serve people, when I am a blessing to other people, when I share what God has blessed me with, I'm telling you something, I can bring a smile to my face. Why? Because that's what God intended for us to do. And that's who God intended for us to be. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, I want you to understand the, the essence of what I'm preaching this morning is that God loves you. And without this love, we have no hope. Without this love, there is no heaven. Without this love, we are of men most miserable. Thank you, God, for your love. Have you placed your faith? Have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ? Stop depending upon yourself. Stop depending upon things. Stop depending upon the church. Stop depending upon people. None of those things can get you to heaven. There's only one way, and that's the Jesus way. He came for a purpose. He came for a reason, and that was to seek and to save that which was lost. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. There's never been a time in your life where by faith... You receive Jesus Christ into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins. You say, pray for me, preacher. I'm not sure I'm saved. Slip your hand up this morning right back down. I pray for you. I wouldn't come to where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure I'm saved. Preacher, here's my hand. Please pray for me. Is there one? Maybe you're here this morning and you are saved. You've trusted Christ as your personal Savior. God has an outpouring of God's grace and love and mercy and, and, and long-suffering and all these things that we've received in our lives. Why are you holding back? If God has loved you, then love others. If God has forgiven you, then forgive others. Some of us are holding tight. We are holding tight to the wrongs that have been done us. Release them this morning. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You let the Lord take care of that. You won't find happiness in vengeance. You won't find happiness by paying somebody back with some evil slight that you have in your mind that you're going to do to this person. Listen, you're not going to repair that relationship by never talking to the person again. Or keeping the person at, at, at arm's length. Or talking bad about that person. Release it. It's all garbage. 
God's forgiven you, forgive others. They don't deserve it. Yeah, they probably don't, but you don't either. But you still got it. And boy, praise the Lord for it. Let's use what God has given us to help others. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come this morning? Maybe God's speaking to your heart about a specific thing. Maybe there's a certain uh, unforgiveness in your heart. Can I tell you this morning, release it. Give it to God. Let God take care of it. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that, you'll see the difference it'll make. Even if it doesn't make a difference in the other person's life, you're not responsible for the other person. You're responsible for you. Do what's right and let God take care of the rest. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments play this morning, you come.